It's Barely in Topic, a podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Uh, um, hi! <laughs> 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 it's Barely on Topic. Woo, it's barely in topic, and I'm trying to change it up a little bit. Routines are stale, even though I haven't been here for like two weeks. I mean, I was doing stuff last week, but I couldn't hear anything, so that was fun. And I'm here with Jeff. Ahoy, ahoy. And Tim. Hello there. And uh, yeah, so uh, I did edit last week's episode. It took me maybe three hours, which is a record and uh, i have some notes uh, on, on the episode huh <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure one of the first comments is yes we, we neglected to mention you weren't participating or introduce ourselves during the cold open either attempt <laughs> <laughs> it was the coldest of cold opens that was like downright glacial um <laughs> I, I actually really enjoyed the whole like, nope, let, let's roll that back. Let's try that again. That was good because that was, because that gave me an edit point. So, <laughs> Well, it, it helped that I suddenly realized I needed to know what episode we were on. <laughs> ah, do we really need to know what episode we're on? We're on 508, by the way. But yeah, uh, no, no. My, my note here, it's actually one note. There are There could be many bullet points to this note, but it's one note. Ready, guys? You need me. You really, really need me. It was that bad, huh? <laughs> no, no. That episode was very packed with information, but it was just dry AF, you know? There was no laughing until the end when you realized, like, oh, we didn't say anything about her. <laughs> I have a little bit of an ego, guys. Feed it just a little bit. Um, but anyway. You guys need me because we need mirth and jollyness and frivolity and the nonsense that I bring. And um, I think in the last couple of weeks, I've re- realized that the word for me, the real word for me is ridiculous because that's what I am. Oh, Jeff's agreeing. I said nothing. <laughs> you nodded your head. You nodded your head. I am ridiculous. It's okay. I've accepted it. Why are you? Why do you not want to say anything bad about me? That's not. I'm a nice guy. That's why. Ah, we don't need your chivalry here. Come on. Okay, so no nice, short, information-packed thing. I mean, we shat on the Leafs a lot. Like that must have been worthwhile. Speaking of shitting on the Leafs, I suppose. So yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, um. So this week, <laughs> Mark Andre Fleury and the rest of the Golden Knights broke the Leafs. Um, yes, they have um, uh, fired the most overrated coach in the league. Mike Babcock is no longer the coach of the Leafs. Does that worry you a little bit? Do you worry that they'll get better? Yes. I mean, they've won. They're, they're not a well-built team. Let's just like say that for what it is. They are not a well-built team. They have a bad defense. They have no backup goaltender of the view that they have some serious chemistry issues that extend beyond coaching. 
That said, they've won two games since the changeover. They'll win more, but they're still a fundamentally, I think, at its, at its core, broken team. And it's not actually fixable without a sledgehammer. And also, maybe Kyle Dubas deserves a lot of the blame, but people aren't necessarily willing to do that. Well, there's the thing about Dubas, right? It's, he's, he's not good at negotiating. Let's, let's, let's call the spade a spade here. He's a, he's a shitty contract negotiator. And as a result... It's caused him to fuck up elsewhere. Yeah. In that, in that he can't, he doesn't have defensemen because he's got no money. Likewise, has no backup goaltender because the team has no fucking money. So here's the deal: is I don't actually think Nylander's overpaid. He was coming off back-to-back sixty-point seasons when they went into that stalemate. Marner is extremely overpaid by about three million. That there is a functional defenseman and a backup goaltender. Yeah. And Matthews might be overpaid a little bit too, but not by nearly as much. Like, the way I see a negotiation with Kyle Dubas going is, like, you walk up to him and be like, I want $12 million. He'll be like, you'll take 13 And you'll be like, okay. I mean, if that like, was how it went, it would have resolved the Nylander and Marner things faster. True, I think it's more like, like, I want $12 million. You'll get 5 I want $12 million. You'll get 6 I want $12 million. Okay, you'll get 12 5 you know, here's my question. Did, do you think it's really that or do you think it's just that Zubas really thinks like, well, you know what? I don't need to worry about defense because I've got some of the best shooters in the game or I've got some of the best scorers in the game and I'm just going to put all the money in my forwards and not worry about defense. You see, the problem with that reasoning is because they don't have a backup goaltender. They put themselves in a situation that basically the, the late Claude Bruins had. Mm-hmm. A good goalie that you ran into the fucking ground. Like, they're on track to Cam Talbot, poor Freddie Anderson. Because they did it last year because, you know, that whole waiver fiasco where they lost McElhaney and Picard and waivers at the beginning of the season and were stuck with uh, with Sparks, who was, you know, better than Hutchison or uh, Keskisuo, or however you fucking pronounce that last name. Well, well. Can't. So, they're big things goaltending, and they can't fix that without trading a piece. Right. Well, I, I'm not saying that this is the way to build your team. I'm just saying that from somebody who doesn't necessarily understand all of this stuff, but can glean some stuff, I, I feel like he just wanted to put a lot of stock or wanted to put a, a, a lot of money into his forwards and not worry about the defense because we'll just outscore. Well, and so here's the thing, too. His background is is, is as excellent GM in, in the OHL and in the AHL. Neither of which involved negotiating contracts at all. AHL, if you're signing AHL-only players, you got a very limited range of what you can offer them. OHL, it's indentured fucking servitude. So, like, this is a very important and key backbone of being a GM that he has essentially no experience in. Okay. I I don't know that. The Tavares kind of like, oh, he took less to go to the Toronto. It's because like, the fish jumped in the fucking boat. <laughs> yeah, that's really it. And the problem with two with uh, a team that uh, is built just like well, I'll score everyone. When you run into a good defensive team that can actually score some goals as well, you're probably not going to be successful against them in a long series oh, because eventually that's going to catch up to you. It's also the matter that their bottom six is dog shit, especially with um. Uh, is Kerfoot still out, or is Kerfoot back playing again? Anyway, when they didn't have Kerfoot, their bottom six was a complete catastrophe. But uh, they're very top heavy. 
Anyway, it'll be nice not having to, you know, uh, hear comments from a man who speaks like he's deaf despite not being deaf. Namely, Babcock for a while. Have you heard him talk? It's what he sounds like. Well, (laughs) when I hear him speaking, I hear... And um, I'm sorry if that comes off as, like, making fun. If you think I'm making fun of anybody with any disability, that's not my point. It's just, like, he's he's got a cadence, and it's, like... Well, actually, he's got his, his voice is very deep, and he's got a sort of, you know, bumbling cartoon sidekick aspect to him, and, you know... <laughs> Honestly, anytime Babcock spoke, I heard... Wah, 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 wah. I mean, it was like Charlie Brown to me. I, I, it's like I and I, I am so pissed off at him with the let me take all of the time in the world to to make sure this uh, to make a decision on whether I'm, or not I want to challenge this thing, and then they're going to take like five hundred hours to to review this thing, and the Bruins are going to lose the goal. So obviously, yay! I'm happy he's gone. <laughs> On the other hand, though, I kind of wanted him driving the Leafs into the ground for all eternity. Very sad that uh, the the Leafs went with that uh, decision because uh, I liked what they were doing. I liked that whole, like, hey, let's have no goal differential. Let's keep losing games. I, I really enjoyed that. That was that was a good time um, for me. I, I love some of the, uh, the the obviously fake comments that are coming out. But people will actually believe them as real as if, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, I I could not have another job for like another 50 years and I'll still make it to the second round more often than the Leafs will. Pretty sure that was probably written by a Boston fan. (laughs) It's good stuff. stuff. (laughs) Well, there's the thing about Babcock. He's making a lot of money for like three more years after this one. He can take his time. His coaching contracts are guaranteed until until they mutually agree to terminate which requires essentially the coach signing with another team. Yeah. I mean, you know, Quenville took some time when he got fired from the Blackhawks and, and he picked the the Panthers because it was a good situation for him and he likes to golf. I mean, the obvious answer here is for him to like take the job early with, uh, w- w- with, um, uh, Seattle, Seattle. Seattle, you know, he has like, Coaching a, a group of possibly mediocre veterans, which is what coaching Seattle's going to be, because they're not going to get as good a team as Vegas did off the draft. John Moore, Seattle, whatever their name is going to be. <laughs> I'm going to scream if it's the totems. Me I too. don't want the totems. I really like the Kraken. Because <laughs> I like monsters. I think Orca would be great, except for the fact that um, it would put – there's no way Vancouver would the Vancouver ownership would sign off on that. Yeah. No, but you know Vancouver really just needs to fuck go off back to the flying escape. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because that uniform, I I looked at it, you know, just like you know the jersey itself with nobody in it, and it's like, eh. But then I saw it on, I'm like, oh, okay, I get Either it. Either that or the really old Vancouver jerseys, which are the rink with the skate with the, with the stick. Which like in, in, which I love in terms of its dumbass d- dumbass simplicity. <laughs> this week, I've learned that I can see a jersey just like hanging on on a hanger and go, mm, and then uh, or you could put it on a body that doesn't have all the gear on. You're like, eh, and then you put all the gear on. You're like, oh, I get it. Or oh well, ugh, whatever. So like that Avs um, Stadium Series jersey, it looks awful. 
right now without the gear on, but I think once it's all filled out, I kind of like the F's one. Now the LA one, that's on, that, that's an abomination. Yeah, that's trash. <laughs> I'm not saying the Avs one's bad. It just doesn't. I think it once the a player is in it with the gear on, it will come to life. Speaking right, of, it'll look a lot better. Speaking of jerseys, Boston's new third is supposed to drop today at a at two. Uh, at two at, at a um, uh, season ticket holder event. In the seaport. I'm not going to be happy with it because it's not going to be last year's uh, Winter Classic jersey. But that should, I mean, and here's the thing about that. I, said, I love that jersey. I'm like, well, we could just use it as our aways. But here's, I like our aways more than the homes. That too, yeah. What? I love ah! white. I, I find the shoulder yoke works better on the white than it does on the black. The black shoulder yoke on a white jersey works better than the gold yoke on a black jersey. Okay, as a person who owns an authentic, yes, authentic with the strap, <laughs> the hold out down your your jersey strap, winter classic jersey, one that that Sean Crowley said, "Hey, I like your jersey," and I was too dumb to understand what that meant. Anyway, as a person who owns that, I really enjoy that, and I I don't understand why we couldn't just use them as an alternate home. Honestly, yeah, sure. The body, the the torso is like got the white cream kind of thing. There's a big ass B on it. And there's a lot of stuff going on with like the shoulder yoke. And then you've got a lot of stripes and stripes on the I mean, I adore that jersey. I adore everything about that jersey. Yeah. You know, you could make that an alternate home. I don't see why you couldn't, you know, make the other team wear their home colors. I don't give a shit. Um, Make that your alternate home. If you were going to have a white Home jersey, that's the one to have, right? Now, I've seen the jersey that they're leaking. Uh, you know, Aesthetics leaked it months ago, and I've seen that, and I'm like, eh. Yeah, I like much. that they're using that logo. Like, I will give it that. I like that they're using the same Winter Classic logo from the last one. It's, it's the big B, but it's a gold one this time, and it's a black body. And you know what? If they added lots of stripes, I'd be like, yes! Let's add more stripes. I want some more gold stripes. Is it a black body? It looked brown to me. Maybe it is black. Well, whatever. If it's black or it's brown, I don't care. It's lacking stripes. The stripes are what make that Winter Classic jersey, like, boom for me. That's what made me go out and buy well, it. Well, that's why I've been so worried when they... Somewhat, I know it's not It's not quite as bad as that, but like at least it's not going to be the men in black jerseys, because, like, fuck. I liked those, though. I'm in the minority, but I like those. The lack of stripes and the bad logo are just like, like it's not an awful logo. It's a great shoulder patch. It's an awful chest logo. Hey, that is my Bergie jersey, and I will love it forever. I love that logo. For whatever reason, I like the full bear logo. I don't know why. Well, yeah, but like, you know, the the, 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 the winter class game against the Habs, yes, that game, that's a much better version of that logo. Yes, it is. 100%. But my Bergie jersey was my first one, and it was given to me. So it's always going to be special to me. Fair. I, I, I do like the, 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 the joke mock-up jersey that Connor Ryan, I think it was, tweeted out. That had the Hey Guys Bear logo, the Pooh logo, and like a bunch of 
different bears on the jersey itself. I thought that was kind of hilarious. <laughs> it's all bears all the time. I didn't see this one. That's... I, I did not see this one either, so now I'm going to have to go look. It had the Hey Guys bear as like the um, chess logo, and then it had the Pooh Bear bear as like a smaller logo in the corner, kind of like Buffalo does with their numbers in the corner. Okay, so he's got one here with Brad on it, and it's got the Hey Guys bear on the chest. It's got just a an actual bear on the shoulder patch and where the letter and where the letter goes is Pooh is the Pooh bear. Yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> oh, I see it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do rather like the picture of just an actual bear. That <laughs> <laughs> and the ear is coming off the shoulder too. I love it. <laughs> okay. I want to get back to Babcock here. I'm barely on topic We're we've already gone off topic. It's great. You guys didn't veer off topic enough last week. You did a couple of times, but Jeff pulled it back. I want to talk about how some of the Bruins, actually two of the Bruins, reacted to the news. First up, we'll start off with Bruce Cassidy. I hate to see that happen to anyone, to be honest with you, Cassidy said of Babcock's firing. I've been on that side, and it's a humbling game in that regard. But other than that, I don't know the ins and outs of the Toronto situation. We've always had a good rivalry with them. I expect that to continue. I wish Mike the best. He's a great coach, so I'm sure he'll land on his feet and do well on his next assignment. I wish him nothing but the best. So Bruce Cassidy, all class, as you would expect. And then we go to Bergeron. This is, uh, by the way, this is from the Boston Sports Journal from 1121. Bergeron said this, obviously a great coach that people have lots of respect for. He's done it all in his career. I've learned from all of my coaches and from him personally. Obviously, he'll be back on his feet pretty quickly. Obviously, you don't know the circumstances, so I'm not going to comment on that. But for me personally, I have only good things to say about him. Again, Patrice Bergeron, the best person on the lead face of the earth. And I can say that because he's awesome and he has nothing but good things to say. Of course, you don't expect anybody to say anything bad, but uh, that's their opinions on that. I did find it funny that I think it was Dermot for the Leafs, when they asked him about Sheldon Keefe, they're like, oh, p- players want to play for him. And people took it as a dig at Mike Babcock, that like the team didn't want to play for Mike Babcock. Well, I mean, if you count Mike Commodore as a, as a, relative, as, as a reliable source, <laughs> which I'm not entirely sure you should, but... <laughs> wow, he had nothing but bad things to say about him. He's had nothing but bad things to say about Babcock for years. I've never seen the word prick used so much in tweets. Yeah, he still managed to keep his shtick in there. You know, there was a couple hashtag pack your shits, which yeah. is a bit that I don't particularly like, but I appreciate his commitment to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it can that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just, I just like that. He pretends to be an insider. I, I enjoy that. I'm worried that the Leafs could get better. However, here's the thing is um, they are at present nine points behind Boston with two games in hand. The Bruins would really have to fuck it up royally to do that. And you know what? Let's talk about that for right now, because the games of this week, oh boy, the Bruins had every opportunity and took almost every opportunity to fuck everything up. New Jersey aside. So two thirds of the games this week. They had every opportunity to fuck it all up, and they, they took every opportunity. Oh, they to... seized every possible opportunity to fuck these games up. Every possible opportunity, especially the Buffalo game. Holy fuck. And they got the four points 
out of those games. Yeah, six out of six weak, despite such bad play for so much of it. They were being outshot by Buffalo 15 nothing in the first period. Uh, it was 14 it was 14 nothing, but yeah. And then the crowd in the TD Garden sarcastically cheering when they fought, when, when they finally got a uh, got a shot on goal from your boy. From my boyest of boys. Now mind you, it's one of those shots on goal <laughs> that barely counts because it was barely on goal. But I'm going to ask you a question. Why Sean Crowley took a shot on goal earlier but it didn't count? I I don't understand why. Posts posts don't count as on goal. Was it a post? I don't even remember. But also the Bruins scoring on their second shot in that game to tie it up at one had to kill Buffalo. Like, that had to just be like, what the hell? Okay, before we get Hold fully into... Tuka, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, this is staying in. Well, seriously, Tuka, what, what, what and why? I'm making a save of the year. Mm, it's not really what it looks like, but okay. <laughs> Before we get fully into the game with all of the Rasmuses. <laughs> Rasmai. Oh, Rasmai. Okay, well, I don't know how to pluralize it. Either Rasmai or Rasmis. Ooh, I like Rasmis. Because they already have a Latvian, and we all know that Latvians are plural, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> they are. Latvians are all plural, I know. Right, right, right. So I don't know what it's like for Finns that all have the same name. Three of two, two of those, two of those Rasmai are um uh, are Swedes. Only Ristolainen is a Finn. Fuck. Both, both, both Dalin, both Dalin and uh, and Asplund are are, are are Swedes. Oh, Dalin is is a Swede. I thought he was Finnish. All right. Well, it doesn't matter because like everybody's first name on that team is Rasmus. As far as I'm concerned. They're Latvian Zemgas, which is a little too close for comfort. <laughs> <laughs> but more importantly, Gergensen's. Mm-hmm. It's got a kind of S at the end. It does. <laughs> I just want to hit on the really important thing about the Devils game. There was a game? Okay, the really important thing to focus on about the Devils Mas- was... Macris like um, uh, stole T.K. Subban's jock. That's the most important thing. Yes, yes. As Pete Blackburn said, he stole his soul. Yeah. I, I love that whole thing because he just, like, he just juked him, basically. And and, and was gone. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and P.K. Subban, all he can do is, like, put his hands up like he's looking for a call. I'm like, what call? Dude, you're not playing at the fucking Bell Center. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and it was just, like, and, and that was just amazing. It was annoying because, like, I thought he'd exercised his happy tendencies. That was a very cabby move. Well, sometimes we all just return to form. That's all. Look, I love P.K. Subban, the person. I think he's entertaining and wonderful and fun, and he does a lot of great things for the game. But, you know, I'm still willing to admit that the P.K. Subban who's on the ice can be annoying as fuck. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Okay? I'm not going to boo him because I just, I don't care. Um, And I think that sends a bad message. So... You know, it's like you just complain about it. You're just like, PK, why are you throwing your hands up? You got beat fair and square. There's nothing there. You got clowned by a tiny Bostonian. That's what happens to you, PK. Just own it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So 
Chris Lake had two goals in that game. That was that was the last one. That was the one that led to his yes. uh, final one. He but... opened the scoring off a, a Marshawn and Krejci feed, which is uh, because, of course, Bergeron wasn't in that game, making for a very interesting uh, group of people on the ice for that first goal. Yep, and um, Marshy and Krejci, man, um, Marshy was, like, responsible for so many. Oh, yeah, Marshy had a three-assist night, yeah. <laughs> yep, so, and hey, two assists isn't bad either for Krejci, man. But anyway, yeah, that was the really important thing to take away from that game, and I think we should come up with, like, something about Grizzlick. I have a couple of words for Grizz. Ready? That was Grizzdiculous. Oh, when wow. Grizz is on his game, he's Grizzdiculous. Or it could be Grizzlicious. He was just getting grizzly with it. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> <laughs> getting grizzly with it. Yep. <laughs> of course that's what you guys say. <laughs> I... I'm trying to be cool and hip, guys. <laughs> I think it's Grizzdiculous. <laughs> Yeah, Grizzlicious is is a little bit much, I think. I like Grizz In any but... case, Grizz really, really gave the devils their licks. <laughs> he, he did. <laughs> You're all welcome. Especially you, too. <laughs> all right. So in the game with all the Ras... Rasmai. Rasmai. Rasmis. The Rasmus Bowl, yes. The Rasmus Bowl. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, everybody in our team is named David, right? (laughs) It seems like it sometimes. Hitting far off. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was was excited about a, like, um, well, it's a line that can't exist, but we could put all three Davids on a line. (laughs) I mean... There was a point in time where Pastas played some left wing, but like, eh. no, it's not a good thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's not do that. Um, let's let's keep DeBrusque on the left wing, even though, even though I found out from some clips from the My Story thing, he was originally a right shot, and then he changed to be like his dad. It's adorable. Oh, interesting. Interesting choice. Like, if you're starting with the right shot, like, that, that gives you an advantage long term as, as, as a player in the league. You'd almost want to stick with that if you're, if it's effective. But then again, maybe it wasn't. He was a kid. He was yeah. a kid, and he wa- he idolized his dad so much that he wanted to be just well, like Well, there's him. the thing. My understanding is people, what side people shoot on has nothing to do with which one's their strong hand. It's as much to do about what side the person that taught them to shoot shoots on. Because but your strong hand, there's arguments to have it either end of the stick. If it's at top, you're a better puck handler. If it's at the bottom, you're going to have a better wrister. Okay, so you're talking about your strong yes, hand? Yes, so your actual, like the hand you write with. Um, yep. If you're right-handed and shoot left, which most right-handed players do, even yep. though I, I hold a stick like that, it feels so fucking unnatural. Are you left-handed? I'm right-handed. Oh, but it doesn't feel natural for you. You're yeah. a right shot. Yeah, I would. Be, I would be a right shot. But uh, so in that case, people with right-handed hold the stick that, with their with their right hand at the top. So shoot left specifically, mm-hmm. so they have more control at the top, so they can stick handle and dangle better. Ah, so that's what I would be. Now, people that uh, they shoot on their strong side, so say a right-handed player that shoots right, would do it. Would compromise a certain amount of puck handling ability, but they would have a strong wrister. Okay. Because all their okay. because the wrist shot's all in the lower hand. We could be a defensive pair. I can actually 
do either. Like I, I'm, I don't think I'm stronger with one or the other. Well, remember, if you if you if you write with one hand, you are stronger with that hand, Tim. Fair enough. Because that's the hand you do stuff with. <laughs> Buffalo. I low key feel bad for the Buffalo fan base for both the Bills and the Sabers because, like, they still sell out every goddamn game. Well, there's the thing: is they're enabling this kind of behavior by selling by buying all the tickets every game. If you keep going, they got no incentive to be good because people are still showing up. Our power play was two for two on that one, which was great because it hasn't been as great as it was before, or it wasn't as good as it was before. So that was nice. Um, of course, um, I was not really a big fan of uh, Sean Crowley uh, committing that penalty that it led to a power play goal within 20 seconds. But, you know. Yeah, he started the scoring, and one of the res my scored that power play goal, so that's great. Um, the Finnish guy, yes, yes, the Finnish res my. Yes, yeah, there isn't really a lot to talk about that other than the Bruins were really outshot for most of the game. The, yep. the first and third periods, they were outshot seventeen to four in the first, fourteen to nine in the third. They managed to lead the the shot total in the second, only led to one goal, and that was. On the power play, so whatever. But overall, they trailed shots by 11 on the game. Oh, yeah. 38 to 27. 27. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so that's not great. Uh, the penalty kill was pretty good. They they kept Buffalo to one out of four uh, of their power plays, so that was good, uh, I guess. I'd like it to be zero out of four, but whatever. But the, the play of the game. Yes, that. The play of the game was the Tukarask save not with the blocker itself but with his glove hand of the blocker oh i mean like i don't even know how he did it so he'd lost his stick in in a scrum on the one side of the crease puck gets coughed out evan rodriguez has a wide open net that is every other single time that happens that's a goal Mm -hmm. not today tuka said not today so tukaras dives across Turns his blocker handing, bats the puck out of the air with the glove side of his blocker. You never see that. Unless you're yep. talking about like Dan Blackburn, who, for wrist injury reasons, stopped wearing a glove altogether and just wore two blockers. Oh, God. <laughs> he did not have a long career. <laughs> no. <laughs> it does that sound like it would prognosticate he was, that? He was supposed to be the Rangers goalie of the future before they realized they already had drafted Henrik Lundqvist. And, uh... Oh. <sighs> Yes, that was wonderful. <laughs> like it was, it was, it was an absolute like you know. Just a few days ago, Mark Andre Fleury had a hands down save of the year candidate, and took a risk. Like, nah, nah. Hold my stick, he said. I mean, you got to consider the fact that like Tuka Rask is always. Um, I don't really want to call it a rivalry, but it has a rich history of um, uh, and a rich history of killing the Pens while the Bruins were devouring Mark Andre Fleury alive. Twenty thirteen Eastern Conference Finals come to mind. They, or did they play Vokun that series? Because that was back when they were doing that, like doing goaltender carousels constantly. Because Flurry was bad in the playoffs for like five years straight. No, I think I think Vokun played at least half of the games. That's true because a washed Vokun and a sk- shaky in the playoffs at that point in his career, Mark Andre Flurry is just not a. You got no one you can commit to there. Well, anyway, that was fantastic batting that out of the air with the down to his side, and then the puck went away, and then he had enough time to. Collect himself. <laughs> yes. That was just amazing. No goal on that sequence. It was fantastic. Or Evan Rodriguez is going to have nightmares about that for the rest of his career. Yeah. 
when you're in the presence of greatness, what can you do? I absolutely love that, that, that Tuca is returning to form because he looks so bad. But, you know, I mean, it's not perfect because, you know, the, the Bruins won that game three to two. It could have very easily been the other way just because of the shots and so on. So so they stole a game, basically, even though they never didn't lead it after the first. But, you know, they still they still played poorly. Um, yeah. So first question, VA, did you actually watch yesterday's game? Because uh, <laughs> it's against the mile that I know that's not your thing. Okay, I'm going to tell you how that happened. I took a, a poll. Four people, four very brave people voted, and they said I should watch the game. But that was not the determining factor. The determining factor, it turns out, was my husband saying, hey, what do you think about Indian food? And I went, yes. Yes. Absolutely, yes. Yes. Fuck yeah. So... So basically, he bribed me into watching the game by getting Indian food for takeout. I mean, that's one way to do things. What'd you get? Yeah. Well, I mean, I just, I got a curry and, and it's, the curry itself is, is good and, and it's not really remarkable, but the Peshwari naan. Oh, I love Peshwari naan. Not familiar like, with Peshwari naan. It's a stuffed naan, so it's got like um, coconut and raisins and cashews and all that stuff ground up into like a, um, a yeah, and it's like spread out and it's just delightful. And it's like you dip that in your curry and it's, oh, it's amazing. And then, of course, samosa. I always get vegetarian samosa because I love those things like, ah, potatoes and peas and spices. Yes. And then what else? Oh, I think that's all we got. But that's all good. That's all good. He got a vindaloo, if you wanted to know. Um, vindaloo's a little too spicy for me. Look, I like spice, but sometimes I can't take the heat. That's all. It's all right. I still love it. Um, but yeah. Ah, Indian food. So he he lured me in with that. And I'm like, ah, oh, damn it. But then I kind of spaced out for a while and didn't really watch the game, especially in the third, until like the last five minutes. And then it was like, oh, so basically, yesterday's game, you didn't have to watch anything except for the last five minutes. I mean, really. there were some things that happened. You know, um, uh, J-Dubs got off the schneid with his fourth goal of the season, which is nice. Yep, yep. yep. You know, Brad did a Brad thing. It's like, Brad, I honestly, like, Brad Marchand is very clearly, it just happened in the Buffalo game, too. He's he's making a case for Hart here. He's like, anytime the team's in a rough place, Brad's just like, fine, I'll do it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to think that he's doing it that way. He's like, no, no, guys, I got this. Put me on your shoulders. I got this. Or get on my shoulders. Or, or I, I'm, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's the thing. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and that was good because he, he brought the team, the game closer at that point. But uh, um, it took the crachening being upon us at, in in a span of 48 seconds to, uh, and both were open net. We're, we're the empty net. Uh, first one is a crazy. Yeah, so Rask had been pulled. Let's clarify that both were empty net for the Bruins. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. The Bruins had had Rask pulled. Uh, so first one at eighteen oh five, they had their Rask pulled. So Krejci's on there with the um, uh, standard power, the standard first unit power play, I believe, on that for, for that one. Yeah, I believe that Bergie and Marshy and all that. And DeBrusque the, was the there because DeBrusque got the secondary assist. So math checks out, I guess. 
And yep. uh, Craig, that one was an interesting one because that was was that the one from a from a weird from, from, from a weird angle, or was that the tip in? That was the tip in, I think. Okay, the tip in was the first. Oh, the second one was the weird angle. Okay. The, the second one was the weird angle because what had happened was it was on the power play. Bergie's stick just became a no go, so Bergie eventually had to. They had to get the play to go a little bit more towards the blue line so Bergie could sneak out, go get his stick and come back, which, uh, which he did yeah, quickly, very quickly. So he came back and then Bergie drove that and it eventually ended up, uh, uh, I, I mean, it, it was a one-timer from Bergie onto Krejci's stick that went right in at that weird angle. Mm-hmm. And so that pushed it to overtime. And thank God it scored in OT. Okay, wait, 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 wait. I have a very, very important question, actually, and a follow-up. Ready? Okay. One, how much did you spooge when that happened? Is your living room like like you have to clean it? Tori goddamn Krug, man. Okay. And secondly, Glenn's follow-up question is, did you spooge then, or did you do that when Tori had the little celebration? Or did you do both? Now, purely Is metaphorically your- speaking, just to be clear, um, I sort of had the <laughs> spooging equivalent of preapism. Just continuous spooging for hours at a time. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to get so mad at me for saying this, too. <laughs> you know, I like to say that uh, Tori Krug has that BDE. A big daddy energy. Yeah. And now, now serious thing also, this was Krug's first game back from me from being out injured. Um and he of course let it all opened it up with a, a three point night. Bergeron, Bergeron had a four point night. night, yeah. Yeah, Bergie had four assists, yeah. There's other there's one other thing that happened during that game. I mean, glad the Bruins won. Not sure they should have won, but they did. Right? Because they were really messy. Seven Seven power plays for the Wild, and they capitalized on two of them because of all of the penalties. The Bruins Some of them pretty, were soft. We're being pretty undisciplined, but a few of those calls were pretty dicey. Right. Right. Um, right. One that comes to mind, that matching roughing that Marshawn went off on, that they're clearly, I, I'm very confident that the Wild player involved should have gotten two minors because he very much provoked that. Who was that? Oh, it doesn't matter. Who cares? It's a wild player. Who cares? But like that one being pure matching roughing calls him like that's kind of horseshit. Like, like Marshawn got mugged there. Yes, he fought back, and that's the problem. But like, you can give them both minors and give the give a second to the other guy for starting it. <laughs> that 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 one's the one, of course, that did result eventually in a, in a in a four on three as well. That was just wonderful. To quote Bruce Cassidy. He felt that Kazari and Peel were two of their best players. It's not wrong. Uh, yeah. So uh, the refs did a shitty job last night. Bruins were undisciplined, so that there's no excuse for that. But, I mean, the big headline here really is that, that um, uh, um, uh, Zach Parise might never find his jock again. Yeah, Krug beat him. Boy, did Krug beat Krug him had, on that one. Krug clearly had no plans on going for the net there because he was going coast to coast. And you don't do that. Not even at three on three. And then Parise clearly was just like, oh, wait, that guy's very flat-footed. Gone. <laughs> and the other two are playing their man, so they were in no position to help. Like, the other two wild were playing their man. 
Yeah, Tori Krug just dive bombed, just went in like suicide mission, and he won. So good, good. That's what we like to see. Big Daddy energy. In any case, now, now he and now now Krug and uh, and, and Grizzly can compare the the, the the trophies from their from their burnings, you know, to see which one, you know, see see who has can get, argue who whether Parise or Suvan's nuts are more impressive uh, trophies. Oh, true. Also, best part of the night at the end of the game, Jacob Russ talking about it, and he and his quote was tying the game at the end like that. Just a Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Now, there was one moment during the game that was kind of distressing, and I was still paying attention because I don't know if I no, I had eaten by this point, but I was not in food coma yet. Um, Six fourteen of the second period, Victor Rask decided to have some Rask on Rask violence. And that he scored a goal. And it was not determined to be a distinct kicking motion. It went off his skate. That's that's how it went into the goal. Nobody challenged it, but Bruce was pretty pissed off at the... Our kick-in goals, I don't think they're eligible for coaching challenges as part of it. And it did go to, and it did go to the war room in Toronto for review. That's why it took so long to call it. Right. I have the NHLPR explanation of it. Ready? Video review... Confirmed the referee's call on the ice that the puck deflected off Victor Rask's skate and entered the net in a legal fashion. Rule 37.4 states, in part, a puck that deflects into the net off an attacking player's skate who does not use a distinct kicking motion shall be ruled a goal. A puck that is directed into the net by an attacking player's skate shall also be ruled a goal as long as no distinct kicking motion is evident. So that is the ruling on that because I... I mean, at that point, it's just like, you know, the the Wild took the lead back and then they didn't give it up for a while. So it was a little disappointing to see that that happened. I I don't understand the distinct kicking motion thing because he definitely moved his skate in a way that you could say was a kick, but it's not going to be ruled that. Yeah, it seems like the way uh, that was is the refs were going to give the Bruins a distinct dicking motion and <laughs> give the goal to Minnesota there. Cause I, I thought, I didn't think it was going to get called. I thought it was going like, to get like called the, back. He couldn't have come up with a worse co- um, uh, refing pair for Boston, right? You got Tim yeah. Keel, who's just so, so bad at this. And then Steve Kazari, who like, I don't know. Does he have like a thing against Boston? He's got he's the sorry fuck that missed that trip against Achari in the finals. He's also the guy who just allowed like the whole incident with uh, Tory Krug and David Perron to just happen uh, to the point where Tory Krug decided to go truck another guy on the team because he was pissed off. Like, genuinely, um, uh, Red Krug's lucky he didn't get a substantial a bad penalty for that one. Robert Thomas had the puck. I mean, but of course, Krug very visibly had no intentions of trying to play the puck there, though. (laughs) He was knocking him off the puck. I don't see any problem with that. You sometimes you got to use your body and knock somebody else's body off the puck. (laughs) In any case, Steve Kazari not good at this. Also, no, no, he's no, he's a dick. 
Um, we don't like him. And uh, well, although I gotta say, Jack needed to dial it back a little bit. The amount of energy he put into railing on Steve Kazari last night just wasn't a good look. That's the that's the sort of stuff that are why people that co- complain about him being a homer have something to work with. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, I've learned to tune Jack out to a point. Honestly, Jack's calls in general have just been like crap this year. Like even his usual nonsense is just gibberish as opposed to like insanity. Well, and a lot of the time he sounds really lackluster during games. I'm like, what the fuck's wrong, Jack? Well, you know what? I'm going to just tell you, sometimes I'm watching a game and I'm feeling really lackluster because the Bruins are just like shitting all over the <laughs> However, if you're paying Jack Jack Edwards, of all people, to call your game, you're paying him to be fucking enthusiastic because he's Jack goddamn Edwards. So listless calls from Jack are sort of uh, quite disappointing for that reason. Well, um, remember when he was going on and on? What was it even that he was like, he just wouldn't shut up? Which time? Like all okay. of them? <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, was the Palak injury first game of the season? Oh fuck! Yeah, that's see, that's one of those times he crosses a line. Like you know, I know one of the famous ones people like to point to is when he compared him for forgiving Matt Cook to forgiving Sirhan Sirhan, which I thought was inspired personally, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> because it was Matt fucking Cook. Maybe he was given some notes, like not fun teasing notes, like I give. <laughs> <laughs> but other notes yeah. that were not good. So maybe that's it. I mean, um, I loved that one just because, like, of all the assassins he chose, he chose Sirhan Sirhan. <laughs> maybe it's the only one he knew. So he threw it I mean, out I there. sincerely doubt Jack Edwards doesn't doesn't know uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, which one would oh. think that would come to mind before Sirhan Sirhan, at least, at least within the realm of Kennedy assassins. Um, I seriously doubt that Jack Edwards doesn't have like a list of serial killers on hand at any time to just, or not serial killers, but you know, assassins. <laughs> it's like, Ooh. oh, who have, who have I not said today in a while? I was like, uh, Mark David Chapman, James Earl Ray. No, I'm not feeling Oh, like who's them. the guy who, who assassinated McKinley? Leon Zagolsh. C-Z-O-L-G-O-S-Z. I like a guy with all the Z's. Oh, yeah. By the way, the Wild, they're the team with all of the players whose last name starts with Z-U. So you think it's Parisi, but it's Zuparisi. Incidentally, I always thought it was Parise, and yet that Jack kept saying Parisi. I'm like, is that right? I thought it was Parise. Well, it should be Parise, but everybody pronounces it Parisi. I think I've only thinks- ever heard everyone else say, anyone else say it Parise. At least that's what I've been like. Allowing myself to hear. I don't know. I think that's the proper way to say it because it is a actual French Canadian name. Yeah. Yeah, I know that uh, because I looked it up. I know all about the Parises. But anyway, whatever. They also have a pretty good name for their third line because it, it's uh, Greenway Erickson Eck Cunnan, which I thought was Coonan. They Apparently, wild players call that the Geek Line or the Geek Squad, which I'm like, that's pretty fair. Greenway Erickson Eck Coonan. I think that actually works very well. It's fantastic, actually. Like, bravo, Minnesota, you managed to do something interesting. Yep. 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 Now go go die. <laughs> <laughs> Cease being a team. <laughs> God, it's soul-sucking hockey. I hate them. Hey, 
right, let's talk about some injuries because that's a happy, feel-good subject. Yeah, so. All right, I will start. I love talking about injuries. But uh, let's start with Kevin Miller. He's had a setback. Yes, a, a nondescript setback, which I remember recalled the last time he had a nondescribed setback. It was he rebroke his, his kneecap in the other direction. <laughs> oh, God. So I can only assume that his leg fell off. We already know he has a wooden leg. What else could happen? Oh, termites. Termites, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. I didn't think about the termites. Here's the thing. You know what? Chris Kelly's back under team control. They can just like, you know, confiscate his robot legs and give them to Kevin Miller. Is it going to, is it worrisome that he's like two inches shorter? No. I mean, if they do both legs, it'll be symmetrical. Oh, okay. There we go. Either that or just, you know, get the number of Chris Kelly's um, uh, adamantium leg guy. And, uh, okay. Yeah. There we go. Yep. So the team is being ultra cautious right now. And they want him to be 100% before he returns to duty. I don't think he's coming back, guys. I really, like, I I have been saying that before. I've said that before. I've been saying it. I don't think he's coming back. I think, um, you know, injuries of the patella are just really hard to come back from. They really are, especially when you are a skater. Guess what you need to move when you're a skater? Just just take a wild guess. Nice. What body part? Yeah! Not a, uh, a knee that's mostly staples. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing about joints that move a lot, right, is that they are susceptible to damage. They have, they have far away the least amount of room for error of major joints. Hips, ankles, wrists, shoulders. There's some room for error there because the way they move. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> knees, none, because they only move in one way, sort of like elbows, except knees are more fragile. Yeah, and basically, here's the the rule of thumb. When you have a joint that has a lot of usage, you know, it is going to break down faster. So basically, I don't think he's coming back, guys. I I just, I can't see it. I will tell you one thing, though. I found out the mystery of whose wife is pregnant, and it is Kevin Miller's. So something's working on him, but not as neat. Maybe what else is he going to do with himself when he can't play? That's true. Hey, I'm all for it. It's good. Keep up that cardiovascular work. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm uh, I'm all about the D today. Anyway. Okay. I'm going to cut all that out. Are you though? <laughs> hey, I'm happy I solved the mystery. God, it was such a perplexing mystery for a few weeks. All right. So Kevin Miller, I just, like I said, I don't see him coming. So um, John Moore is skating. And is wearing a regular jersey, by the way. But he's still two weeks, is what they're saying. Yeah, yeah. Two which weeks. is currently what they're saying for Kevin Miller's, like, maybe two weeks, which, like... No. No. Carson Kuhlman went back from LTIR to IR, according to Cap Friendly. But he also had a setback this week. Yeah, I don't really understand why he's, he came off LTIR, though. I don't know either. I just will say that he required an MRI and they didn't like what they saw. Yes. Which I'm sitting there thinking, well, it was a non-displaced fracture. You didn't do surgery because you don't need to. And you put him in a walking boot. So, and he was walking around everywhere. So either a misdiagnosis or he needed to be in a real cast. Yeah. I mean, I, likely he just overdid it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh, if you overdo it, sometimes a hairline fracture can become worse. So that's that's what I'm looking at. I mean, unless they're looking at ligament damage somehow. I, I don't know. Mm. Parlin Holm got a cut on his left arm somewhere that Where's required that? 18 stitches. Yeah, he came back that game. Yeah, he did. They basically like glued him up or something and said, Holmes go back say, out like, there. Generally, one of the things is like if you have like a big cut, you can't wear gear. That's why like Bacchus was out so long with that thigh cut a few years ago. It's why freaking Brett Ritchie keeps getting reinfected. Yeah. Well, yeah. Gear is notorious for carrying all sorts of stuff. Lindholm, though, when he came back to the game, he only played like two or three minutes for the rest mm-hmm. of the game. So he needed to get 18 stitches and... You know, I had to look at what happened. Uh, luckily, I, I, I did find uh, Connor Ryan had uh, had some footage from the game where it looked like it, where it happened. And he immediately took his left arm in like this, dropped his his uh, stick and just gunned it for the, the bench. So yeah. good, good for him for knowing to get that checked out right away. I mean, obviously, if you feel the slice, it's got to feel weird. So. And then... And Bergeron was available for yesterday, so Lynn Holmes able to take that game off without us being up shit creek on the on the matter of centers. Yes. Right. Right. I mean, give Patrice Bergeron all the maintenance days that he needs. I mean, really. Guy knows his body. He knows what to do. Practice at this point is just stupid and repetitive for him. Yes. Honestly, um, if it keeps him healthy for the playoffs, I'm okay with Bergeron playing 55, 60 games a year. If Bergeron needs to be out to rest, I'm fine with it. As long as we have somebody. Exactly. But you know what? Here's the thing. If you don't have Krejci, you can't make decisions like that, can you? Nope. So I think Krejci more than proved that he's very valuable to this team. And since coming back from his own injury, he's playing it over a point per game. Yeah. And you know what? So Krejci needed that time to get better uh, early in the season. And then he's back and he's great. And uh, I'm I'm really happy for that. So be thankful that we have Krejci in this week of Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving. Is American Thanksgiving still the time that we determine whether or not teams will make the playoffs? Because it seems like that it's kind of gone by the wayside. So, so Elliot Friedman used to always track, you know, um, how many teams were more than four points out of the playoff picture at the end of October. And until a couple of years ago, an astonishingly small number of teams had climbed back. Now, of course, last year just threw a grenade at that whole thing because, you know, St. Louis happened. So... There's that, but it's still a hard hill to climb, right? Just a couple of days ago, you had, you know, Statsy Leafs followers saying it's like, depending on how this, this um, uh, road trip goes, which they're now three games into and have gone 2-1-0, would, would be the end of their season, potentially, because it's a deep, it's a big, big hill to climb out of. But, like... I want to say I heard somewhere, even with the Leafs, before they won the two games in a row, like, they had, like, a 25% chance of making the playoffs. They had... They were going projected to have to go a truly incomprehensibly good record for the rest of the season is what I saw. I don't remember the exact like projection numbers. But here's the thing is they're at least one point. They're only one point out right now, but Philly ahead of them has two games in hand. And Tampa, who's two points behind them, has five games in hand. I don't understand. How how is Tampa so far behind? Didn't yeah, they travel they somewhere? Play. They did. They they went to Europe there, but like 
so did Buffalo, and Buffalo is not that far. It has 22 games played, which is one, only one less than Boston. But yeah, it's a big spread right now. You know, the East has um, uh, like four teams that have played 25 games, and then one that's only played 20. So weird. The West has at least one team that's played 26 games. That's Calgary. Oh wow! Like six games. That's a big spread, even with the team, even with teams having traveled to Europe for for games. Whether it was you know Tampa and Buffalo, or earlier in the season, um, uh, the Ranger you know, did the Rangers travel, or the Rangers just haven't been bothering to play games. I don't know. Rangers are bad. <laughs> they, it's probably the latter one. They're just lazy, and even the games that they they do play, they don't really play. <laughs> no, no, they don't. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Okay. That, yeah. I mean, that could be why the Lightning are out of it. I mean, that's a potential of ten point swing. No, like if theoretically, well, if you, they, they haven't won. been great. They, they haven't been great. Remember, their record's eleven seven and two. It's true too. They're six and four in their last ten. They've won two in a row. Their goal differential isn't that great either. It's plus nine, which is I mean, at least it's plus, but it's not great. What's the Bruins goal differential? Plus twenty three. Uh, oh my god, how? Uh, <laughs> they've only got sixty goals against. Um, to give you some idea of the game teams with better goals against um, the Islanders with only 51. They also have two less games, but they're probably not going to give up nine goals in those two games. So there's... Yeah, but their their goal differential is much lesser because uh, they also only have 68 goals scored to Boston's 83. I love our defense. Uh, let's see. Dallas has given up fewer goals than Boston and Arizona. Those are the only three. Dallas is a hot right now. They're 9-0-1 in their last 10. Considering how shitty they started the season, that's kind of impressive. Because they were like sick, they were like 0-6-1 or something to start. <laughs> Did their GM come out publicly saying they played like horseshit again? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that guy just likes like like saying that. Just like likes ragging on on Ty Ty and uh, and, and the and and and. And, and ben. Jamie Ben, yeah, I think he's just bitter about Jamie Ben being a selfish lover. That joke never gets old. It, it never not. gets old. It never oh will. My God. <laughs> it, no, no, men be generous. Always be generous to your lovers. <laughs> be willing to go down in the slot. Pittsburgh's given up sixty goals as well, though. They've and they've scored seventy-eight. We're in a good position, but I do want to bring up one last injury. David Backus. Uh, both he and Seboran showed up twenty-one days uh, after their incident. They they both got on back on the ice um, for practice, so that's good. Uh, of course, David Backus is now, this is his fourth concussion with the Bruins uh, in as many years. And he, of course, is on the ice again skating, but he's not wearing normal gear. He's wearing the no contact sweater. And this is what he said to Connor Ryan. He might have said it to other people, but Connor Ryan is the, the person I got this from. I've done some research 
I don't know if there's a direct link between 14 concussions or seven or two is when all of a sudden you're degenerating or getting your tau proteins in your head to start developing CTE. I think there's not enough evidence yet. With that being said, not getting to that magic number is certainly something that I'd like to avoid. Interesting. I got some issues with with what he's done there. It sounds like he's being reasonable. It's like, well, well, Dave, Dave, it can happen with one. Yeah. Well, I think that I think what we're going to find out with CTE, I think a reasonable position on CTE, uh, and they're still doing a lot of research. I think what we're going to find out is it's, uh, as with many things, it is an individual thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think there is a prescribed number. You can't say that somebody who got seven concussions is more or less likely to develop CTE than somebody who got two. And I think there are orders of magnitude, and I think there are other factors like how close in succession that you get the concussions. So there's a lot of room to to figure all this stuff out. Uh, there's also things like how many micro concussions did, did this individual have along their career? You know, ones that didn't take them off the ice, never went diagnosed and stuff, which you got to know almost every player has to have dozens of them over the course of their career. Of course. I yeah. would argue that people get them every game. Almost certainly. And I think, um, and I think this is going to be the hard one to assess. I bet these micro concussions are far bigger problem than substantial ones. And turn on the matter of CTE, there are researchers who are saying that it's not the big concussions, it's not the big impacts. It is the smaller ones that you get on a game basis. Like uh, the the problem with football players is they do a lot of a lot of tackling, a lot of collisions and that people are walking away from those. Like they may not feel like they're dazed or concussed or anything, but the, the impacts they're making all the time, there's no helmet that is going to fully absorb that. Because that's not, no. how it that's, that's not how it works, right? It's your brain moving independently of your skull. No amount right. of helmet can stop, can prevent a concussion. Exactly. Right. So, so the answer really is to take the contact out of these things, but Taking the contact out of these things is what it, it, it makes it less of the sport. And that's where where I am as a fan. It's it's hard for me. It's getting harder for me to justify watching these things because I enjoy all those different aspects of the game. I'm not talking about fighting. Fighting is a separate thing. I but I, I enjoy the hits. It's, it's a very distinct issue. Right, right. I I enjoy the hits. You know, I don't need somebody to truck someone, but, you know, it's like remind somebody that when they have the puck and they're in a certain position that there are consequences to that. He's trying to give himself here a little room to continue his career. That is what he's trying to do. Uh, yeah, it sounds like I, he's I trying like he's, to convince himself, not other That's people. exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's absolutely right on the there's just not a lot of evidence out yet. And we don't know, but I think it's really, like I said, it's going to come down to individuals and what their game experience has been. How many, how many, it could be the, the micro hits or the micro, um, the, you know, the, the things caused by the collisions. So it's like, it's, um, it's gotta be a scary time when you've had multiple concussions and we've God. seen a lot of ruins. It's got to be concussions. And like you said with football, I think offensive and defensive linemen, they, they have multiple, probably a, a game just because they're constantly every play hitting each other like that. And like I was reading, I read a book. It was by an offensive lineman 
forgot the which one. I think he played for the Lions, and it was like it was called like Life in the Trenches. And he said, you know, basically every play, the collision that happens between the offensive and defensive linemen on every play is like almost the same uh, pressure as like a car accident. Yep, it's the same amount of force. Like it's it's insane. Yeah, well, you've got a couple of like three hundred pound linemen going at each other. Yeah. There's got to be a lot of impact there. Remember, CTE, the first case of documented CTE came from Mike Webster, former center for the Pittsburgh Steelers. His brain was mush when he killed himself. So, Here's oh, God. Not only Bacchus, I want Bacchus to have like a life beyond hockey, but like. He has he has kids. He has a loving wife. He has a family. Like you, the CTE doesn't just affect the person; it affects their entire family, and that's so many people to affect. I don't want to think about him and CTE yet, but I, I do want to think about the fact that he does have a young family, and he should really consider what's best for them, like Rick Nash did. Yeah. Rick Nash decided not to go for another contract. And uh, and he got a front, front office job. Now, of course, Bacchus has the remainder of this year and next year, right? That's what's left on his contract. Yes. I wish they would consider an LTIR thing because you know what? I don't think it's a bad thing. I would like them to LTIR, but I would also like him to stay around the team, like in some capacity, whether it's like helping out like coaching or something like that, because he clearly has a presence in that locker room. They all love Bacchus. So that's I a tricky want line to walk. That's a tricky line to line to walk, Tim, because that can be challenged as a, uh, you know, I mean, actually, no, never mind. Ryan Klo worked for, worked for the devils while he was still on LTIR. Didn't he? Yes, okay, he did. Mind. I, I hold that thought. <laughs> Just because somebody's on LTR IR doesn't mean they don't have to be they they have to be away from the team. Okay, I guess the thing would be like you can't be paid for those other for, for those other uh, activities, right? That's, no, that's, no, that's but right. he's already being paid, so what does it matter? Yeah, right? yeah, they wouldn't necessarily. It wouldn't be a quote unquote official capacity because he's on LTIR. But I want him to stay around the team. Like I, I think that he brings a lot of knowledge about the game to the younger players. I think he brings a lot of leadership. I think the he's respected in the locker room. And I think that just having that presence there can mean a lot. I just, at this point, I'm thinking about what's the best thing for him. Um, and, you know, he he's going to continue to play. And guess what? Every time he plays, there's always going to be the risk that he's going to get another concussion. Obviously, this is the calculation that he needs to make. Uh, yeah. And he needs to feel good about that. But I wish, and I'm not saying this from the part of me that's like, wow, we could free up $6 million in cap space. I'm thinking purely on the personal level here. Yeah. And like you said, with Nash, Nash made the decision himself. He walked out on his own terms. I want Bacchus to be able to walk out on his own terms. I don't want his hand to be forced. Well, here's the thing is... Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that in the event at the end of next season, Bacchus still wants to play, odds on his hand will be forced. Because um, if he wants to play after next season, I sincerely doubt anyone's going to be willing to give him a contract. Yeah. So, like, 
there's not a lot of scenario unless he says plays to the he plays to the end and announces his retirement. I'm not entirely sure. Like, I think there's more likely he doesn't get real real say in it. Right. Well, feel good, happy, fun time. Yay. Um, this week saw plenty of tweets from other people complaining about uh, Charlie Coyle playing wing on the second line. And I just want to say something about that. When you have a healthy center who can play center on the third line, but he doesn't play wing and you have a healthy center who can play wing if needed. Isn't it smart to take the guy who can play wing and put him in another spot temporarily on a wing um, and take the center who you can play at center? Isn't it smart to use them that way in a temporary fashion? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, so objective- Car- Charlie, what was that? Objectively, Paul Lindholm at third line center is going to be better than anyone that they would plug in for second line right wing that isn't Charlie Coyle. Yeah. Yeah. With the singular possible exception of, and they can't do this because there's a right wing deficit, Hein in their second line right wing, and then, but, left, but Lindholm's a center or a left wing, so you don't have, then you don't have a third line right wing. So, like, Either way, there's no ideal scenarios because the so many, because there were so many right wings injured. Yep. Right, you're up against cap. You can't pull everybody up from Providence without put mush, pushing people around. Oh fuck! There wasn't even the there isn't even bodies left to pull up. Right. The the, the the surviving right shots are basically like okay, Studnica. If you wanted to pull him off center, but the team is absolutely hell bent determined on making Studnica a center. And he's finally like figuring it out in the yeah. AHL. Let him figure and, it out more. And Steen, who hasn't been good enough. And I guess Solaric with the team is very conspicuously done with Peter Solaric. Yeah, so so basically, you don't have room to do this. You got to use what you've got. So stop complaining about temporary measures. When you've got a body, uh, I mean, a pile of bodies over in the corner, right? And you can't take anybody off of them. <laughs> you got to use what you have. <laughs> On a completely slightly different note, the last couple of games, now that they're together, as a, particularly last night, now they're together as a line. How swell is that? Um, uh, is, is is Charlie Coyle center is, is centering Bjork and Heinen? Great, I love that. And Bruce does not want to separate. Them. Incidentally, that entire lot. line is the proceeds of the 2014 draft. <laughs> yeah, because, because Donato. Yeah. Yep. The proceeds of the 2014 draft plus Adam McQuaid. Also, I, fi- I find it interesting, too, that um, Donato was kind of, he's kind of like non-existent in Minnesota right now. It's I was really upset about that trade because I thought Donato was going to be something. And, and man, was ripped, I ever wrong. And he ripped it up to start with in, 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 in Minnesota, too, right? But then, yeah. Less upset about Donato and more upset about Charlie Coyle because I just didn't think nothing he was about the right Charlie fit. Coyle seemed like it was going to be as amazing a decision as, as it's been. Right, right. So I think I was more upset about that, but I wasn't terribly upset. I was just like, uh, okay, you know. And then I was wrong, and you know what? It's okay to be wrong. 
anyway, so once everyone's healthy, I, I think uh, the best middle six would be, based on what we're seeing now, would be um, put Seneshin as, as second line right wing and just stick with it long enough to get results. Yeah. I'm finished. I, I, I continue to be finished with Brett Ritchie. Yeah, I uh, I can't stand the Ritchie experiment. I mean, I understand there isn't the bodies otherwise, but as soon as there is, he has got to be disappeared. But uh, yeah, yep. So, so I would say Sinition on the second line, and then that third line that we have that that they have and is working together. Now, mind you, you're you have a Bacchus-related issue then potentially, depending on how this plays out. But but like you can disappear, Richie, because he makes under the he makes. Little enough that he would dis- that his cap hit would go away if, if he got waived. I'll be honest with you, with the way the fourth line is right now, I wouldn't sit. I wouldn't sit Nordstrom, but I would consider maybe sitting Corrali a little bit. Corrali's having a rough season. Wagner and Nordstrom look like they're doing all right around him. Less so Wagner, but they're being dragged down by Corrali having a rough season so far. <laughs> he's not. He's just not doing Sean Corrali things. Is what it is. He's not playing badly. He's just not being himself well okay i i read about this this week bruce cassidy thinks that corelli is a little snake bitten and that's bothering him and he's letting it affect the rest of his game he also thinks that nordstrom and and wagner are not finishing around him and that's further leading to uh misery for him so basically i i just think that corelli needs to sit a game or two just to get his head back in. I think there's nothing wrong with the sitting just to regain and your focus. Lindholm has been playing well enough. He can be trusted with that responsibility at 4C. No problem. Right. It, it hurts me to say this, but it's like, I, I see the value in sitting someone for a little bit just so they can get perspective. So, you know, back is coming back could allow for a little room there. Lindholm coming back will allow for a little room there. I think it's been tough because they don't have a lot of wiggle room right now, so they can't make those kind of adjustments. So I just want my boy to to be my boy in his big moments. I miss them. So it's it's frustrating because he's playing like a guy who is trying to get another contract, but he's just really, really upset. But he's in the middle of his contract right now. I was going to say he's got another year after this one. John, just play. You're you're coming off a career year. You got two more years on your contract. Just just be you right now. You don't need to prove anything at the moment. They're, you're not really at risk of losing your position. Mm-mm. Nope. So like, no, just because... do the thing. Yeah. So I I think he just needs to sit a little bit. Um. And once people start coming back, he'll be able to. Hopefully, they'll be able to do that for a little bit. So, it makes me very sad frowny face now speaking of people sitting a little bit um we've talked about it before on the show here and it appears that suddenly this week everyone all the reporters realized this one too connor clifton scratched yesterday because he's only got three games left till he's no longer waiver till he's waiver eligible we talked about this a month ago (laughs) we've been talking about this a lot but like Um, suddenly all the beat reporters were talking about it with 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 his scratch stuff it's like well yeah like this was going to be a problem like if Miller and Moore are as close to coming back as they're saying, it's like they need to be keep that flexibility. I really don't understand why Bruce wasn't playing Connor 
uh, I mean, Clifton and, and Camphor every other night just to stretch it out some more because they they thought the time um, line on Kevin Miller was that he was going to be back by a certain point and they kept pushing it back and pushing it back and now we're in a situation where Friday, Friday is the day. If they play him um, the, on the back-to-back this week and Friday, Friday is the last day. Yes. It's the last See, game. With that, what I would have done rather than like, I don't mind playing Camphor. That's fine. What I would have done if they really want to keep his waiver eligibility right now is instead of sending Erho Vakanainen back to Providence, I would have kept Vakanainen up because Vakanainen was playing well and he looked okay. I would have kept him up and sent Connor Clifton back down. That way um, they can keep uh, they can keep Connor Clifton's eligibility and then they don't have to keep a guy on the roster that they're just not going to play. There's the handedness issue. And if they're going to do that, Zaboral would be the guy to call up because Zaboral has played a fair bit of right side in Providence. Fair enough. Yeah. I feel like if they were going to do that, they would have done that like a month ago, but here we are. We've been talking about it, you know, but it, it, it's going to be a trick because, like, they're not going to be able to move Miller without showing that he can still play. I think we can agree that they're not going to be able to move more. He's got three more seasons after this one on that contract. That's a hard contract to dump midseason as a as a cap as a cap trade. Seattle. But Miller should present no issue. There's enough teams that need right defense. They need competent right defense. Jersey and Winnipeg come to mind right off the bat. So we we're we're gonna it's gonna be an interesting week for sure to see what happens there. Yeah, I think we can expect I think I think we can reasonably expect Clifton to not play much this week. I wouldn't I wouldn't play him any of those three games. Honestly, the only one they need him might be Montreal. I would put him nowhere near those Ottawa Rangers games. That's true. Yeah. That that's that's definitely true because I mean Montreal's the the next couple games coming up Montreal's the best team you're playing, um, and even they LOL blew a four goal lead last night. They were up four nothing and lost six five to the Ouch. Rangers. To the oh, Rangers, nice. yep. And Claude came out and said that the defense was soft. Claude, but you're a defensive coach. Um, so whose fault is that? Yeah, you know, it's almost like as if, say, like, allowing your forwards to be a little more, oh, I don't know, offensive and scory and not so hard on the puck um, defensively. Grants you like, some flexibility elsewhere, <laughs> for one thing. So I guess we should get into the schedule, should we not? Ah, uh, yes. yes. So we've alluded to it. But uh, so this week, as this lovely week of American Thanksgiving, um... Uh, we have three games uh, starting off on Tuesday. That's uh, that's uh, November 26th uh, at the Center Bell against Montreal, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Do you know who's going to turn 23 that night? Need to check who's currently 22. Carlo. I thought Carlo was a December birthday. No. Oh, it's DeBrusque is, is December, isn't it? Yes, my boys of boys is going to be 23 that day. <laughs> that night. Oh, my God. Okay, I had it in my head he was a few weeks out, like closer to my birthday. My bad. Because <laughs> I, I knew he was a late that year, which is why he was eligible to play in Providence a year earlier than, say, Sinitian and Zaboral were. 
Then the next night, they go to the Canadian Scotiabank Corral Center. <laughs> also known as the Canadian but Tire not Center. Not, not, but not tell us. But not tell us. Not tell us. Not tell us. No bell. Um, or Rogers. Just just a Canadian Tire slash Scotiabank slash Corral, depending on which iteration of this arena you choose. Anyway, against Ottawa Senators. Second night of a back-to-back with travel, but it's like only Montreal to, to, to Ottawa. Like, you can get an Uber for that distance. It'd be an expensive one, but you can do it. But don't talk in your Uber. Don't say a word. <laughs> um, 7 p.m. Eastern time in Ottawa. Uh, then that's, that's the night before Thanksgiving, so, you know, you'll be all, uh, you know, good and liquored for that game, I'm sure. Um, no games on Thanksgiving. That's, that, that's uh, football and basketball's territory. Um, and then we have a manatee game on Friday, on Black Friday. I liked them better when these were either Detroit or Pittsburgh, but here we are with the Rangers, 1 p.m. Eastern oh. time at the Garden on November 29th. I will not be watching that game because I live in Canada and I have to work. No, I don't. It's my. I have a day off that day. I will be able to watch that, that, that manatee game. I'm wrong. Excellent. <laughs> Why do you have that day off? I have every third Friday off. Oh. Well, I, I get we get to see Henrik Lundqvist. It's always pleasant. Honestly, I can't wait to see Henrik Lundqvist because right now I'm watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And um, Jameis Winston, Jameis Winston already has an interception, and we're three minutes into the game, so all is normal. <laughs> we all have our reasons. <laughs> I, Tim, I think your team's trying to be the Browns. Uh, they're trying really hard to be the Browns. They're already down three nothing. We're four minutes into the game, and they already have a uh, turnover. So I mean, it's just another Bucks game, to be honest. And it's it's bad because they're playing Atlanta, who's also three and seven and also not good. But the Bucks are more not good. <laughs> anyway. And we close uh, this next week's of game, week of games off on December 1st, 7 p.m. Eastern time at the Garden against Montreal. I Oh, God, I hate the schedule makers because in the first, like, two months of the season, we've already played Montreal and Toronto three times. Oh, dear Lord. December is going to be – December's a rough schedule. Um, they don't have more than one, more than two day, more than one day off at a time until the fifteenth and sixteenth. Oh, nice! That's going to be fun. And it's one of only two more than one day blocks of time off. The other one, of course, is the Christmas break. So, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, Boxing Day. Other than that, they are games on the first, third, fifth, seventh, ninth, eleventh, twelfth, fourteenth, seventeenth, nineteenth, twenty-first, twenty-third, twenty-seventh, twenty-ninth, and thirty-first. Wow. I mean, that's that's a rough month. Wow, that's a lot. I mean, a lot of home games. Yeah, there's that um, there's that one stretch in the middle with a uh, with four uh, away games in one week, but uh but they're all they East also, Coast games at least. So they also play some like softer teams. Um Ottawa's not great. They play they play Buffalo a couple times. They play the Devils. Chicago, um, they play the Kings. Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's our schedule, and next month looks awful. Yeah, like, holy fuck awful. So, listeners, you've been listening to Barely on Topic. 
Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found. Talk to us on Twitter at Barely on Topic, on Facebook at Barely on Topic Podcast, and of course, our individual Twitter accounts. Uh, you can find me, Jeff, at, at Dr. Hand Grenade. I am at Tim A. Richardson. And I am at Grizdiculous.com. Also known as at VA from RI. Tim. Word. 